This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Look right down any crowded hall. You'll see there's a beauty standing. Is she really everywhere or a reflection? One always calls out to you. The other's shy and quiet. Could there be two different girls who look the same at Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High? Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley High? Welcome to Pi Beta Alpha, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of the Sweet Valley High TV series, episode by episode. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, it's a classic from the books. And it might be a classic episode too. I think it could be. It's almost like a very special episode, but like in a fun yeah. way. <laughs> oh, in a ridiculous way. It is secrets fantastic we are back in book two land <laughs> oh my god uh yeah where it all began for enid hopped up on Benny's, cruising <laughs> down the highway as she is wont to do <laughs> well we get to see this sort of with our own eyes so not actually the you know the car moving because they absolutely do not have the budget for that oh no there's no there's no tracking cameras there's none of that kind of carry on going on oh, we no. did well oh. to see the we did well to see the motorbike in motion I think back in uh, in Dangerous <laughs> Love I think that used up all their location budget to be honest <laughs> yeah. well we begin in the Dairy Burger except it's got some sign outside saying it's now home to a very unsoundproofed radio station. Oh God, yeah, there's a proper big sign up. It's it's KSVH radio. So I don't know what the mm. K bit is about, but like obviously SVH, SVH. is for, for Sweet yes. Valley High. So it's like, is it a, a high school radio station? Is it a proper Sweet Valley radio station? I don't know what's going on. Why but yeah, they, they kind of from, a from the Dairy Burger. <laughs> <laughs> like I know our sound setup is a little bit haphazard at the best of times, but they're really taking the piss there because it's literally the middle of a busy diner and the two lads yes. are just sitting at the counter with like a box of cables in front of them. <laughs> at least we're in small rooms with some pillows around We're making laptops. an effort. Yes. There's pillow forts involved, yes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, there'd be no pillow forts in uh, KSVH because yeah, they're, they're literally just sitting at the counter with a sound desk. So good. Yeah, it's the Manny and Winston show. So it's all kicking off. <laughs> I mean, we love Winston. We're kind of neutral about Manny. But <laughs> this show sounds tedious. A little bit, yeah. Although I have to say, I am warming to Manny more now because he seems to be mm. kind of branching out on his own a bit more. And he's not so much like Bruce's little sidekick. True, actually, yeah. He, yeah. And he was he was pretty funny the last time as Manny Petty. Very true. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got, he's he's. He's friends with uh, Winston now, who he was tormenting at the beginning of the series. Yeah, that's true. Even though they they seem to be like, you know, the core gang that all hang out together. But they were quite mean to each other at first. So they really were. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have a lot of annoying sound effects, which is like Winston beeping a horn and stuff like that. Oh, like after literally every word that Manny says. Oh, yeah, Winston's God. like banging a drum or send, sending off an air horn or something. Yeah, there's mm. there's a lot going on. It's a very noisy show. <laughs> well, there ha- somebody hands them some breaking news <laughs> at the counter in the diner. And what could that news be, Karen? Oh my God, there is a rave on at uh, More Music, which I guess is like a, a local music 
video station, like yeah. the Sweet Valley version of MTV, I suppose. Apparently. Yeah, it's where they play all the, the most happening tunes. <laughs> and uh, it's it's Say No to Drugs Month. So it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then Manny says he's going to put on the Beastie Boys, but we absolutely do not hear it because they do not have the rights. Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, the guy who handed the handed Manny and Winston the breaking news story joins Todd, Liz and Enid at a booth. And who could he be? Well, it turns out it's Ronnie Edwards. It is. <laughs> or as I wrote down, Ronnie Edwards is here. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> One of our least favourite characters, though we did get a pleasant surprise that time he became a gambling addict and was in debt to an OTG. I mean, that was very satisfying, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, this is, um, this is stupid judgy Ronnie as we first met him back in the original Secrets. Mm. And... Uh, Roddy is all sort of cocky and a bit obnoxious and he says he's just talked to his dad who it turns up is like a senior person at more music um, and uh, the event, this rave, is going to have an anti-drug spokesperson and who is that spokesperson? Well, it's a surprise to her, but uh, it's Enid. It's like he didn't ask her at all whether she even has any interest in this. Yeah, <laughs> which she doesn't. Really. No, she really does not. <laughs> Apparently his dad wanted the girl next door type. And part of this role is quite extraordinary. <laughs> Unexpected, you might say. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us what her duties will entail? Yeah, so apart from um, going on TV and talking about how kids shouldn't do drugs, uh, the anti-drugs spokesperson with more music gets to do four appearances with Aerosmith (laughs) (laughs) on their West Coast concert tour. And I kind of love the idea of Aerosmith, like, bringing out some 16-year-old girl to tell the crowd at their gig not to do drugs. (laughs) Like, really, though? (laughs) Steve Tyler's there waving those scarves, his silk scarves around. uh, (laughs) They've just done crazy or one of their early 90s mm. uh, where I don't want to miss a thing. One of their early 90s baggers. Fantastic. I don't want to miss a thing was a bit later, I think. That would have been, yeah, Armageddon is, is later. It was in, Armageddon. In yeah. But definitely the one with... Um, Alicia Silverstone in the video. Al- Alicia yeah. Silverstone and Liv Tyler. Of course, yeah. Um, that would have been around this era. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine poor little unit coming out in her dungas and her oh. flowery top. <laughs> Just say no, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, Edith doesn't look happy about it, but uh, Todd's all excited, like the big gormless Edith he is. <laughs> and Liz can tell that something's up with Edith, but Edith's like, I'm fine. But then she pours coffee all over her chips. So she clearly oh. isn't fine. Those chips look awful as well. They're so pale. They're like, those are oh. not cooked chips at all. <laughs> That's true. All, like all, all, their, all. <laughs> all their servings of chips in this uh, eatery always look kind of gross. True. Yeah. I, I actually prefer them stacked into a top hat or <laughs> Jenga, Jenga. Jenga tower. <laughs> yeah. Well, we cut to the Casatel Wakefield where Jessica and Lila are feeling the burn. Oh, so good. I actually love this because it's very it's very book Jessica with her Jane Fonda mm. workouts and her leotards and all the rest. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's yelling at Lila to go for the burn and they're doing sit-ups and Lila's like, if I get any hotter, I'll spontaneously combust. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're giving it loads in their workout gear. Um, and it's very they, funny. It is. And then Liz and Edith come in and break the news about Edith's new role and now she's going to go on tour with Stephen Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is very inappropriate for a 16 year old really? maybe it's just like, you just read rock stars girl I mean this is it it's more aging rock stars and girls fancying them because I did wonder like do they actually fancy Steven Tyler is that what's happening here because oh. because really surely not <laughs> really no. I hope not <laughs> Well, Jessica is all uh, sort of shocked by this, the, the thought that uh, Enid could be sharing a stage with these rock legends mm-hmm. and says that Enid will have to introduce her to Stephen. Uh, but Enid says she's not sure if she'll take up this position. Mm, yeah, she's very unconvinced by the whole thing and not a bit happy about it. They keep playing this like serious music, you know, the kind yeah. of guitar whale that's very like nine or two window or something. Yeah, it's like emotional upheaval. End of the scene. Love it. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. Oh, there is. It's amazing. <laughs> well, Lila and Jessica are just disgusted to see this. Eden's ingratitude, basically. And uh, when Eden drags Liz off to have a private chat, Jessica says, nobody will want to watch dorky Enid on TV. We love Enid. True. Enid's great. Enid and book, uh, TV Enid is better than book Enid. Oh my God, so much better than book Enid, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, Jessica says that what this event needs is someone dynamic and appealing Ooh. who could stand next to Steven Tyler and hold her own. Oh God, it's gas. Like she's so devious for this whole bit and like her eyebrow keeps popping up and down in a really like <laughs> devilish manner the whole way through this little monologue. It's very it's, funny. <laughs> it is. And uh, Ly- uh, Lila scoffs that Jessica could replace Enid and says, that the day that Li- that Jessica stands next to Steven Tyler is the day that Lila will wear a Hawaiian muumu. <gasps> and Jessica asks, is that a challenge? Okay, yes, a deal has been struck here. So mm. someone's got to pull this off. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Lila says that uh, if Jessica doesn't get this crown, a sort of crown, I mean, it's got to miss no drugs, sweet Bally. Uh, it's Honolulu time. <sighs> Well, we cut to Liz's room and Liz can't understand why Enid isn't more excited about this whole thing. But then Enid makes a revelation. Oh, poor Enid. Yeah, she's very upset and she comes clean to Liz explaining all about how she used to go out with this guy, George Warren. So loving the proper name check. Yeah. Um, And how, yeah, he was like her first boyfriend and he was into drugs. So she was like, and I tried them too. And then Liz is like, drugs? Enid, I had no idea you did drugs. And it's just so vague and like... (laughs) I know my notes say it all comes. What drugs? It's very, the room, what kind of drugs, Danny? <laughs> but yeah, it's like, was she shooting heroin? Did she just I, smoke a joint? Like, there's got to be, there's levels here. <laughs> that is the thing. Like, as somebody who was a teenager in the early 90s, I smoked a joint when I was 16. And I was kind of a, like, relatively well behaved, not going crazy or going, like, it was yeah. not a mad, scary thing to do. No. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not like she's shooting up heroin in the. Sweet Valley locker room. Absolutely not. No, I don't. Is... I don't think Liz would be that horrified by smoking a spliff. Apparently, she is though, because it well, seems that that's what they were doing. That's literally it. Yeah, but they're such squares in Sweet Valley as well. Oh, so true, this, true. this is consistent, I suppose, for them. But yeah, we get a great flashback, which I was very excited <gasps> about. Oh so. my god, I, this was my favorite bit in the entire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, sorry, I'm so excited. I knocked my phone off the desk. <laughs> just wrecking the gap in your excitement. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's great. It's in black and white um, and it's all very chaotic looking. Everyone's wearing flannel. It's so exciting. (laughs) Yes, because Enid says she didn't do drugs. She doesn't do drugs now. Not since that night. (gasps) Oh my God. 
because she and George, they were partying hard by which we, they seemed to be just sort of dancing around in black and white wearing check shirts. Um, and uh, yes, my, my notes got very excited with lots of exclamation <laughs> marks where it says, black and white flashback to the night she was hopped up on Benny's. <laughs> but she wasn't really. She wasn't. We just see her smoking a... Uh, a jazz cigarette. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I wrote down, she literally smoked a joint. She wasn't even hopped up on Benny's. <laughs> I like, know. I'm kind of disappointed she wasn't. <laughs> Where are the pills, Enid? Come on, go make her go home. Well, actually, the worst thing about it is, is that they drink drive because it's clearly they're drinking. They're all like that is, bottles around. Yeah, that's the real issue here. Because yeah, they are definitely on the sesh. Like there's oh, bottles yeah. clinking like mad, and everyone's drinking beer. And yeah, and I suppose the which is pretty close to the book as well. They did get in a car and head off to mm. a party, but then caused an accident. Yes. But I think in the book, wasn't it that they hit a kid with they the car? They did hit a kid. It was pretty bad. We don't yeah. really see exactly who no. got hurt in this. No, we just see Enid, sort of people yeah. lying around. That's it. Yeah, Enid does say that they, there was an accident. They hit another car and people got hurt. So like nobody died. So that's yeah. good. But yeah, she she like people got hurt and it was their fault. And it just kind of shows her being like bundled into a cop car. Um, so it's, <laughs> Which it's is very, an image we want to see. So good. Uh, but yeah, it's very dramatic. Um, again, more like wailing guitar music. Fantastic. <laughs> All like that. So good. <laughs> well, Enid still blames herself for this. That fatal night. Um, I'm using fatal in the Sweet Valley High. In the Sweet Valley sense, love it. (laughs) (laughs) And so after that, her parents moved to Sweet Valley and she and George kept writing to each other and he's just out of rehab. That is a long rehab. In the book, they sent him to, his parents sent him to boarding school. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's been, it sounds like it's been a year since this stuff happened because she does say, look, we didn't move to Sweet Valley because of my dad's job a year ago. Last year, yeah, yeah. Um, it was we because for of a year. Fucking yeah. hell. How much weed was he smoking? It's a long stint. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wants to see her. And uh, this is so like the book. I love it. She shows Liz a letter George wrote uh, and says that if Ronnie read it, she'd never want to see her again. He, he thinks she's an angel oh, but no. she's not <laughs> she's more interesting than that good for you Enid yeah exactly well she doesn't know if she is the right one to tell the youth of California not to do drugs but Liz says rightly well that's in the past you know you can just yeah, look she to the future she doesn't do them anymore but of course while all this is going on we can see that Jessica's in the bathroom and listening to everything through a little crack in the door um, so there's major Jessica deviousness jingles oh my taking. god she's <laughs> so gleeful She's loving it. Because, of course, Liz says, like, you know, she's the, you know, Liz says she won't tell tell a word or tell, tell a, a soul about it. And uh, Enid says that now she's, you know, Liz is now the only person in Sweet Valley who knows this. Hmm. Um, so it's really important that she keeps it a secret. But we can see through that crack and we know it won't be a secret for long. Indeed. Up to no good as usual. Yes. We cut to the school and Enid, who has serious Willow from Buffy vibes in this episode. She's oh, wearing her little, little overalls. A little over, yeah. And um, she goes to her locker and as she walks away, Jessica, going for a sort of a pound shop share from Clueless look. <laughs> it's a cute outfit. I will give her that. Like it's a change from her, her pinstriped bits of suits and braces <laughs> and whatever else she'd have on her. Like this, I was actually on board with, I have to say. But yeah, it is it is a version of share. Yeah. <laughs> Can you describe her? This oh, look? yes. It's um, it's like this lovely little tartan skirt. Uh, she's got like, it's like a, and a kind of 
uh, it's like a, a polo as in a turtleneck uh, top yes. with short sleeves uh, in like a kind of a burgundy colour and that's mm. the kind of colour of the tartan as well and her well her knee high socks of course of course <laughs> always but no she looks great I actually really like this oh no she's pulling it off I'll yeah. give her that so she's got the janitor um, to help allegedly open her friend's locker because her friend is out sick and she needs to get her friend's notes and uh, scheming music plays as the janitor <laughs> gives in to this, frankly, unconvincing request. Oh, very. Yeah. She's like, oh, well, if I fail my history test because I can't get these notes, then it's going to be your fault. And it's like, well, why would he give a shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should just shrug and walk away. Oh, yeah. But no, he he opens the locker for her anyway, so she gets to have a route around and, <gasps> uh, and find the letter. And also, actually, I just noticed there earlier that there's a little poster, like a little hand-drawn poster on the wall that's um, <gasps> Save the Whales. <laughs> We love to oh, see it. If only that had been Todd's, that would have been another deep cut. I know, yeah. Maybe he's the president of the Save the Whales oh, Committee. We don't know. Good point, good point. <laughs> um, well, of course, Enid, for some reason, took that letter into school. At least in the book, she like she left it in Liz's room after showing oh, it to her. that's right. Yeah. Um, so for some inexplicable reason, she took it into school, put it in her locker, and um, Jess, with an evil gleam in her eye, um removes it and we cut to her photocopying it in the middle of the hallway by the way i mean the layout of this school is frankly Just, i mean we, the, their computer room called mr russo's no lab no, i mean no, no. the, the oracle office nope <laughs> swimming pool just like at the end of a corridor it's like there's so many places this photocopier could have been and yet it's in the middle of the hallway yeah <laughs> Well, we just, I mean, the layout of the TV Sweet Valley is just a mystery and I kind of like it that way. Me too. It's got Escher vibes. It's like, who knows what's around the corner? Oh, good point, yeah. <laughs> Nightmarish tone. Well, uh, she puts her co- their copy that, she, that she's made of the letter into another locker and the owner of that locker comes along and it's Ronnie! No, oh, no! Hmm. He reads the letter and he looks concerned. Very perturbed by the whole thing, yes. We cut to the moon beach where the Manny and Winston show is still inexplicably being broadcast from the counter. (laughs) Yeah, that's where they're doing it. I don't know why. I know they're like, you know, stuck for sets maybe and they don't want to put them out of the action or anything. But look, this is what's happening. So yeah, they do announce at the end or Manny says that uh, tomorrow the show will be coming to them live from the boys locker room. (laughs) A great yeah. improvement. <laughs> yes. Apparently they wanted to get into the news, uh, the girls' locker room, which is quite sleazy, but they mm. weren't allowed. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, they're they joined by Bruce, who asks if they're uh, coming to the way, or asks Manny, because he's mm. still not being nice to Winston, um, that if Manny's coming to the rave. And Manny says he can't wait to see their hero, the VJ, JJ Blackwood, in action. Yeah. Just going to say now, we see JJ Blackwood in action and I do not, later on, I do not know why Manny is excited about seeing him. He is not good at his job. No. (laughs) Then Ronnie comes in and he's enraged. Uh, Yeah, as I wrote down, here's Ronnie being an asshole. Of course. Yeah. He asks Enid, how long do you think it was going to be before I found out about your junkie boyfriend? And, uh, 
yeah, she asks, how do you know? Or, or what do you, what do you know? And he <laughs> says, he knows all about her dope smoking days. Oh, this is awful. And like, he does all this, just like yelling at her in the middle of the dairy burger. So like everybody's there, the whole crowd, like the, the, the usual crowd are all arranged around the place on the counter or in booths and stuff. So everybody can hear this. Yes. And Ronnie, uh, making himself the centre of all this, said he put himself in the line for her. And now he looks like a fool. <laughs> And Bruce is delighted. So And so is a random black kid. We've never seen it before. And I really hoped he'd be Andy. And Andy would get a chance to shine as he does not in books. But mm. apparently his name is Carl Peters. That's right. Yeah, actually, he, he popped up earlier as well, I think. He's kind of, he wanted to be Manny and Winston's manager, I think, for their, for their haphazard radio show, apparently. Oh, oh yes, that's, that's true. He's yeah. uh, <laughs> not in the books, is he, Carl I Peters? I don't think so. Yeah, because I kind of saw him and I was like, oh, cool, maybe this is Andy. But yeah. um, I don't think so. I don't yeah. like the name Carl Peters doesn't ring any bells, I have to say. No, it sounds very generic. So mm. it's, it could be uh, one of those people who crop up that uh, like they're a member of the football team or they're mm. in the band or something. Yeah. And then we never they do something for the Oracle. And we never hear about them again. Uh, well, Bruce is, uh, as we said, is delighted with a typical Bruce schadenfreude about Enid's disgrace. And Lila is also pleased to find that Miss Straight as an Arrow Enid is a druggie. Oh, God. Yeah. She's like, well, now I've heard everything. And of course, she's sitting with Jessica at the counter and Jessica mm. is just so pleased with all of this. Like this could not have gone better for her. Yes. And Enid, of course, turns on Liz and says that, you know, she was the only one who knew and she must have uh, blabbed the secret. And Enid would never trust her again. Oh. We cut to the Casa del Wakefield where a miserable Liz rings Enid, who's ha- who hangs up immediately. And clearly this has been going on for a while. Jessica says, it's no great loss. Oh God, it's so cold. Like it's it's typical Jessica, so I don't know why I'm surprised, but it's still just so mean. Like, <laughs> it's one thing reading her saying these things, but when you're actually seeing it, it's like, fucking hell, you can't Because <laughs> uh, yeah, Liz goes, you know, she's my best friend. <laughs> Jessica's like, get a replacement. <laughs> she's so cold. So she, cold. You shouldn't hang around a druggie. I, I love that they think that like, apart from the general judgmentalness, yes. um, the fact that they go straight to thinking that Enid was like, I don't know, you know, on smack. Like they, there's there's quite a leap. You know, I don't know why they think that she was some sort of hardcore addict as opposed to the very likely explanation. She was somebody who smoked a couple of joints. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Liz says that Enid's changed from her druggy days. <laughs> and uh, Jessica says that she feels more sorry for Ronnie because he has to find a new spokesperson. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Then we cut to the, I presume it's the next day at school. <laughs> Somebody passes a note through the class to eat it. And what could it say? Oh God, it's so lame. Uh, oh, yeah. So- <laughs> poor Enid she opens up the note thinking oh this is from one of my friends and it just says Enid is a stoner why <laughs> don't say these kids are such fucking saps <laughs> <laughs> oh it's extremely lame yeah I, uh, poor Enid is very upset though so I she know, gets up it's, and, yeah. they're being so mean by the way that also shows that they know that what she was smoking like oh, or what yeah. drugs they were like I'm really surprised that they think that that was, you know, such a terrifying uh, break from, you know, the norms of society. Uh, <laughs> but uh, apparently they do. So, yeah, Enid runs away. And when Liz tries to stop her, um, 
Enid cries at Liz, has done enough already. And Liz, who is wearing a giant man's jacket for some <laughs> reason, <laughs> sees the note. And in fairness to her, she stands up for Enid publicly and tells the rest of these uh, arseholes that this is totally unfair. But Jess and Lila, who are loving this, see that Enid can't run from her past. Yeah, they don't really care that this is upsetting Enid so much at all. Mm. Um, yeah, so she, yeah, they, they're just like, let her go. You know, you don't need to be hanging out with her or whatever. Like, they're just not, not having it. And then Enid, well, we, we cut to Enid, who rushes pa- through the corridor and bashes into Bruce. I know he's he's such a dick, but I, I do enjoy him so much. Me too. Because <laughs> he's just like, Enid, the party girl. I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> And luckily, she uh, she she runs uh, she runs out of his clutches, and she's uh, she's horrified by the um, her new image and the fact that she is literally getting um, getting a I guess, propositioned by Bruce. <laughs> a frightening thing to happen to anybody. <laughs> so we cut to Jessica arriving at an office. And she's here to see Mr. Edwards. Oh, God. Yeah, I never want to, to let an opportunity go by. So uh, this has all been the point of her whole sneaking around the place. So she's uh, arrived at more music and, uh, yeah, looks to see Ronnie's dad. And then it kind of cuts to her explaining how, you know, as chairperson of Teens Against Drugs, I just needed oh to my express God. my concern about, you know, Enid being the spokesperson for, the, for this Ugh. initiative. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. And uh, she's like, I just think you need to find um, somebody better than Enid. And he's like, I think I have. And the scheme music plays. <laughs> but I have to say, my favorite thing about this scene is the uh, the scene is the very surly, beret wearing, stereotypical Gen X receptionist who shows Liz or or Jess into the office. Oh, she's so funny. She couldn't give a shit yes. about anything. <laughs> she's great. She did make me think, and I think I have to share this with listeners who haven't heard of this tale before because I love it so much. In the early 90s, the New York Times rang Sub Pop Records, which was, you know, the Seattle-based label that uh, Nirvana's, uh, Nirvana's oh, yeah. early album came out on. And they wanted, they were doing a piece on grunge and they wanted to know, was there any sort of special grunge slag? So she she decided to take the piss and oh, make gosh. up all this stuff. And it is amazing. Look up uh, Le- New York Times lexicon of grunge so far <laughs> because I, I have it in front of me. She told them that people said that the word for hanging out was swinging on the flippity flop. Stop it. <laughs> and that means... It's sorry, it's so <laughs> the, the phrase for bummer was harsh realm. Wow, I kind of love that. And, and people wore wax slacks, which were old ripped jeans. Oh my god! And called uncool purse people lame stains. <laughs> so she just made up all this random hilarious fake slang and the New York Times published it and uh, it is genuinely you can see a scan on of uh, lexicon of grunge breaking the code and I just imagine that receptionist in more music or whatever it's called I don't know maybe she was uh, swinging on the flippity flop <laughs> and her wax lax <laughs> She certainly seems the type. Well, if she saw Jessica, she'd certainly say that it was harsh realm. 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, she she doesn't have any power, sadly. So Jessica seems to have got the job. And we cut to the moon beach where Lila is disgusted by the news. Oh, she can't believe that Jessica has pulled this off. Um, I don't like. I don't think Lila knows that Jess has like orchestrated as much of it as she has. Mm. Like the whole letter stuff, I think is all still quite secret. Um, but right, yeah, she actually, yeah. yeah, I think they just think that Ronnie just knows somehow. I think they probably yeah. think Liz told him because I suppose. Yeah, well, that's it. Nobody suspects that it was Jessica that that made this whole thing happen. But yeah, Lila just can't believe that she's after swinging this. Um, so she's got the, the muumuu in a bag and uh, I think it's a Jessica that says to her, it looks like you and this muumuu have a date after all. <laughs> well, Lila says she won't wear it until she sees Jessica on Stephen Tyler's arm. <laughs> God almighty, we just, can we please keep get, get away from the idea of teenagers going out with rock stars? Aging <laughs> rock stars, please, can we get some age appropriate crushes up in here? <laughs> Yeah, Jesus, this was even on telly. They went for Steve Tyler instead of even, I don't know, Soundgarden or something. They were all about Soundgarden a few episodes ago. And for a jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least they'd be slightly more convincing crushes for an early 90s teen. Very true. Well, Liz is enraged by Jessica's triumph and says that Jessica doesn't care about Enid. And Todd rightly says, she's Jessica. What did you expect? And walks yeah. off. Yeah, like I wrote down, Todd gets it. Like, literally, what did you expect? Are you really surprised by this behaviour? Well, we're not. So Todd and Liz uh, head outside and Liz says she just doesn't know how Roddy uh, found out about the Enid's secret. And gormless Todd was like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. And (laughs) they get into the Jeep and she asks him to pass her sunglasses from the glove compartment. And what could Todd find? He finds the original letter in the glove box. Oh my <gasps> God, because Jessica is very bad at covering her tracks. Yeah, really, I mean, shockingly inept, Extremely. to be honest. Yeah. Also, did you notice that uh, Lila and Jessica were taking off in Lila's car just as they were coming outside? No, I oh. didn't. Yeah, so I mean, I, a lime green triumph was always going to be too much to hope for, but we do <gasps> get to see Lila's car, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I have to rewatch now. I miss that totally. Obviously, I was yeah. so mesmerized by the it's amazing. This lovely, like, it's a blue sports car, and I actually sent a screenshot of it, of it to my brother, who's like obsessed with cars, because I was just like, what is this car, please? <laughs> so it's a Mazda MX-5, which oh. is like a really cool little like two-seat roadster kind of deadly little sports car, and that's what Lila drives in this universe. Very nice. Mm. Um, now, I, I just realised that I don't even know if Triumph is like a model of some firm or is there like a car company called Triumph? <laughs> huh. uh, I definitely found, I oh, that's a good question now, because I found a picture of a green Triumph, but I don't know again if that was the make or the, the actual yeah. the, the model or what. But Let I us know, looking, Pimita Alphabet. I went looking for one before for our little um, choose your own adventure buzz yes. on Twitter. <laughs> so there's, there's a green car there anyway. <laughs> it is pretty much how I imagine Lila's wheels. Mm. Well, um, at school, uh, Liz descends on Jess uh, and Lila, when she sees Liz Ooh. approaching, says, can you share what she says? <laughs> like, uh-oh, Tinkerbell looks upset. <laughs> 
Lila gets all the best lines. She really does. And she's so good at delivering little kind of one-liners like that as well. She's yes. just she's so much fun. Um, well, Liz accuses Jess rightly of fucking over Enid and making Liz look like an untrustworthy liar. Mm. Jessica doesn't give a shit. Not a single shit. Yeah, she's like, the truth is going to come out anyway. And in a week, nobody will remember. So she's just like, <sighs> I don't care about any of this. No. She says she'll tell Enid the truth, but Liz says she'll tell her. And uh, she says she doesn't think she can forgive Jessica. If only this were true. <laughs> and the mournful guitar music plays. No, no. <laughs> it's everywhere in this episode. So Liz finds Enid hiding in a classroom. Oh, Enid. So Liz shows her the letter and reveals Jessica found it and used it to get the spot as the spokesperson. And Liz is, apologizes for her terrible sister, which you don't have to, Liz. It's all her fault. That's true, yeah, because even when she kind of points, like sh- shows her the letter and says, look, Jess had it, Enid's like, oh God, I should have known. And it's like, mm. yes, unfortunately, you should always expect the worst when it comes to Jessica. Sad but true. So Enid says, well, look, there, it was going to come out eventually. And uh, that's why I'm transferring to another school. <gasps> no. But Liz says, no, she, you, you have nothing to be ashamed of. And uh, Enid says, well, you know, she does because she didn't tell Wally the truth. But Liz says they can fix that. Then (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I mean put on your wax slacks, everybody. Holy shit, it's going down, you guys. (laughs) Everybody swinging on the flippity flop (laughs) Ash the rave! Oh my notes literally just say cut to the rave all in cast. Oh my god! It's wow. like every in in the early nineties, so many TV programs and films were doing like rave scenes, a rave or an episode. Like there's an episode of Inspector Morse where <laughs> Inspector Morse goes to a rave, and it's like this. Basically. In fact, the Inspector Morse one is better because it was directed by Danny Boyle. Oh well, then <laughs> gear it up for train spotting, you see. <laughs> but yes. It has, this scene has exactly those vibes oh and God. it is, it, it's the closest we get to a montage. Do you know, it actually is. Yeah, it's, I love it. It's so <laughs> funny. It's just like throwing shapes is one thing. I, I don't even know what's happening here. Like, My notes say Bruce is throwing shapes. Yes, yes, he is. He's like Bruce with some girl, just like bopping around in this like (laughs) silky waistcoat and a baggy shirt he is giving it absolute socks he is going for this it is so funny oh my god he's living (laughs) winter's wearing a giant hash lila looks incredible she's wearing these cool retro shades she sort of looks like a pink a-line skirt and she sort of Mm -hmm. looks like lady miss Kier from delight yes that's exactly what i was going to say massive (laughs) delight vibes from lila it's such a good look oh Oh, my god i love it i love when she goes in a slightly 60s retro she could really pull it off she really does her hair is so perfect for that as well flippy shiny redhead like oh god she looks so good yeah um so bruce asks why manny and winston don't play such a baggin tunes <laughs> and Winston says he would but Manny is always hogs the decks and oh, Manny God. says he's just uh, distracted by Winston's uh, ridiculous sound effects <laughs> but then uh, Carl Stevens their manager uh, urges them to approach JJ Stevens so we've got two Stevens oh he's JJ Black 
more. Oh, you're or right. No, or Sorry, I think this is just my notes being uh, confused. confused while I'm taking them very fast while I'm watching the episode. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it looks like they've contacted JJ before. Yeah, Carl introduces them and says, did you get their tapes? And then Winston's like, yeah, I sent you like 50 tapes. Did you get my tapes? (laughs) He's very eager. Um, And this guy, Jay, is like, yeah, yeah, I got them. And uh, he's like, who's your sound effects guy? He's a genius. Oh, my God. Find that very hard to believe. (laughs) I know, but I'm so happy for Winston that he gets a win. (laughs) So am I. And he is delighted, which I I do love. And then they get to sort of mug behind JJ on camera where he does his his, uh, little VJ link. And he, I mean, if he's the best they have, God only knows what the rest are. It's so weird. He's like, and and we're here with more music. Like he keeps leaving all these big pauses between things. And he's just like negative energy. There's no oh energy at all God. here. Like he's it's zero. Shocking. I can't understand it. I was kind of like, did he forget his lines? Is that what's happening here? Yeah. Because um, he's just, there's, it's the worst delivery to camera I've ever seen. Genuinely <laughs> is. well speaking of delivery jess is practicing her speech (laughs) and it's so funny (laughs) she's got one sentence that she keeps saying in different ways and that sentence is can you share it dope is for dummies and drugs are for slugs (laughs) (laughs) and she says it in multiple ways like dope is for dummies drugs are for slugs (laughs) she's really she's trying she's trying her best (laughs) The material just isn't good. <laughs> well, she does say, who writes this? Yeah. <laughs> and then she sees Enid in a bizarre sort of floor-length sack. <laughs> and Liz wearing her cool little spotty baby doll dress, which she's worn before, which I like very much. Hmm. Uh, and they're next to a hilarious, weirdly authentic, uh, annoying-looking raver wearing a woolly hat over oh a crop yes. tea. <laughs> I just wrote down huge lol at the guy throwing shapes beside Jess all alone. In fairness, I think I was next to people like that in like student clubs in 1994. So, God, and it's like the woolly hat. He's wearing it's like a Captain America crop top or something. He's wearing yeah, then he's got like a hoodie over it. It's just going for it. It's very (laughs) funny because he's like there's a girl dancing with him at first, but then it kind of pans across to like. Uh, Liz and Enid leaving the room and Jessica's yeah. kind of looking guilty and troubled and as she's standing there like looking kind of like oh no this guy is just on his own just dancing <laughs> away beside her it's fantastic he's making the most of his screen time he really he's going for it good for him <laughs> well Enid and Liz have got off to look for Mr Edwards who's like in his office while all this this is happening like in the <laughs> Building. Oh, I assumed it was like a venue of some sort. So and it is decidedly not. Yeah, they walk out a door and it's like a, a, the door to the studio. So they're back out into the more music offices. Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, what is happening here? <laughs> well, Edith is nervous, but Liz says she has to stop running from the past. And when they go into Mr. Redford's office, he's there with Ronnie, his... Uh, um, sanctimonious child <laughs> and Mr. Edward says he's heard everything he needs to know about Enid but Enid confronts him yeah like yeah, Mr. Edwards is such a dick because it mm. seems like he hasn't even spoken to Enid himself at no. all through any of this because um, yeah he's just real dismissive and like oh you know I know all about you and it's like alright mm. rude you're an adult can you cop on please exactly um, so Enid's like look yes I did 
drugs before. I it was a huge mistake. And uh, you know, bad things happened, and I'm going to be paying for that for the rest of my life. And she's <gasps> like, look, I I turned myself around. I'm not ashamed anymore. And she's like, look, my life could have gone one way, but it went another because of people that care about me. So she really stands Aww. up for herself, and she's absolutely right. Um, so she kind of just yeah, just just tells them all and says, look. This is this is who I am, basically. So yeah. you, can, you can go fuck yourself if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, and uh, of course, in um, uh, uh, she says that not a day goes by that she doesn't think what happened, and then Jess emerges and very unconvincingly makes an announcement. Yeah, she says yeah. that he should give the spot to Enid after. Like, it's a very own Jessica move. Totally. Um, but yeah, she comes around and just says, look, kids don't need... Well, maybe she's just so put off by the terrible writing for the, the spot she was supposed to do. <laughs> but she's like, look, kids don't need slogans and like stupid shit like that. They, <laughs> they need straight talking and somebody who's been there to actually tell them what the story is. And again, like, I mean, even, even from the start surely Enid would have been the perfect person to talk to people about drugs because it's like, you know, even in this universe, it's like, oh no, she smoked a joint. She's the worst person exactly. ever. But like, she's been there. She doesn't do it anymore. She's like, look, this is the kind of bad shit that can happen. So like, if anything, she would have been ideal. But anyway. Yes. Yeah. True. They eventually come to that realisation themselves. <laughs> yeah, they do. It takes them a while. They're like, wow, maybe you could have more important things to say than this randomer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Liz is uh, is impressed uh, by Jessica as a generous spirit. Um, and we are surprised. We're not convinced at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Mr. Edwards, yeah, says that, uh, you know, you've been through a lot. Get out and tell them all what you've just told me. And Ronnie says, take her out to the stage. And when they, when they leave the office, he says that, you know, what you just did was incre- incredible. And, you know, can we see each other again? And I'm very pleased by Edith's response. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, she's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's kind of like, oh, I'm really sorry. But she's like, no, like you, you, you went out of your way to humiliate me in front of all of my friends. Um, and yeah. he's like, oh, but I was just so, you know, thrown by the letter. And, you know, you weren't who I thought you were. And she's like, well, you're clearly not who I thought you were. <laughs> so yes, she's absolutely that. not having it. Good for her. And I was so glad that she's just like, no, I'm not taking you back. You can fuck off. Yeah. Uh, but much nicer because she kisses him on the cheek and walks away. Whereas I would have just been like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, that's that's it for Ronnie, hopefully. Oh, with any luck, yeah. <laughs> so the twins emerge from the office and Mr. Edwards says that he's very impressed by Jessica <laughs> and he hopes that she and her committee, because yeah. remember she's in the teens guns drugs, yes. will answer phones at their next telethon. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that's it because... Um, Liz is like, uh, what committee is this? And Jessica's like, you know, my Teens Against Drugs committee. And so, and like straight away, Liz is like, oh yes, that committee. Put her down for a double shift. Yeah. <laughs> and Jess is all, thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mr. Edwards leaves and as delighted Lila comes in. And uh, yeah, she's, she says that Jessica is a true humanitarian. <laughs> she's so great. <laughs> Um, and uh, Jessica says don't spread the word about this because if it gets out she's ruined I mean I'm not really sure how I mean yeah doing a nice thing will ruin my reputation as I mean that is true <laughs> like, yeah okay fine if that's the look you want to go for <laughs> well Lila's got some a gift for her to cheer her up 
Oh yes, she produces from from behind her back the giant moo moo, and she's like, "Try this on for size," and like holds it up to Jessica and flounces off. <laughs> yeah, of course. So uh, yes, Jessica's got a got got her punishment moo moo to wear, and Hawaiian music plays as she says, <laughs> "I guess I deserve this." Again, very out of character for book Jessica. Anyway. Very true. But again, it's always a bit satisfying to see some kind of comeuppance, even mm. though it's like wearing moo is not that bad. It looks quite comfy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all been wearing moo esque garb of the last Pretty year. Much. There is no judgment here. Um, but yeah, it's just at least something, you know, happens to her when she pulls off horrible shit like this. Yes. And Liz says that she's proud to call her her sister. Just don't stand next to me wearing that moo <laughs> <laughs> And that's literally what they say. And that's the end. Hooray. <laughs> that was secrets, and it was so much fun. It was. I, it was like it, it was impressively close to the book. I feel mm. like in enough ways. Like the the spokesperson thing was a good addition to it all. Like yeah. it kind of added stakes to it at least, and gave Jessica a proper reason at least to fucking it over. Whereas before it was just I don't like Enid. I'm going to ruin her life for no reason. <laughs> that is true. Like she's way worse in the. Uh, in the book because it is just spikes pure chaos for no reason yeah she just wakes up every day and chooses violence (laughs) (laughs) she really does I mean kind of terrifying (laughs) but yes I'm glad we got to see young wild young a year younger wild Enid um, and uh, we got to see little bit of Lila and Jess frenemy stuff which as you know we enjoy very much always got to see George Warren that was a surprise yeah oh yes we did in the flashback of course and Ronnie so uh yeah there was um, there was a lot going on um and uh we'd like to know what you think pi beta alpha members you are of course the wind beneath our wings um and uh, we love hearing from you you had a lot to say about <laughs> last week's episode I mean, there's so much to say about 07. We could have done a fucking series about 07 alone, probably. (laughs) Well, on Instagram, Libby Hawker said, just finished listening and it was glorious. I remember watching this episode while I was stoned and it did not go well. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, the fear. (laughs) You guys are seeing this too, right? (laughs) Do they really have a clock? Like, I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> well, um, yeah, I can only imagine what that was like. But uh, Libby, I'm just saying that having ever got stoned puts you out of the running of being a spokesperson in Sweet Valley. No, so no, I'm you ready to be shunned. Shunned from Sweet Valley High. <laughs> I think we would all be shunned from Sweet Valley High, if we're being honest. <laughs> well, friend of the show, Lisa Toon, was a source of many wonderful things from this episode. Um, can you share some of her discoveries? Karen? Oh, Lisa went into detective mode and it was a thing of beauty. Um, <laughs> yes, because after we posted about 07 on our Instagram, um, Brock Burnett, who plays Bruce in the TV show and who's gas crack in the comments, as it turns out, yeah. <laughs> um, he put up a little video um, of him kind of flipping through the original script. Like he actually has all of the scripts from the episodes he was in, yeah. in this like proper little bound book. Um, so he put up this video and Lisa like, had a proper look at it and actually paused it and we discovered that Todd was originally called Lusty. <laughs> <laughs> Lusty delicious. Love it. Um and most excitingly of all, um the like sleazy nightclub that was in a 07 in the script is called The Shady Lady. 
Oh my God. You're so excited by that. I could not have been more thrilled to discover that. So thank you, Lisa, for bringing that into our lives because oh. we would not have caught that. And I certainly didn't cop it from just like watching the video. No, much, much appreciated. Uh, Lisa also said, uh, it's funny that Enid saw the character that was dull, uh, boring and with the initial E and didn't think Elizabeth. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, Very good point. Um, Pippi Ann Shirley said this was probably the most amazing thing I've ever watched and I've watched The Princess Bride over three dozen times <laughs> I liked um, Felicity Valentine commented just saying why is Winston so hot I mean we ask ourselves this it's a very common uh, thing that we find ourselves wondering yeah a lot <laughs> Well, we uh, we did um, we 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 also heard from uh, another friend of the show, Neri, who said this episode was 137 kinds of incredible. Besides everything you mentioned, I love that Lila and Bruce added a convenient delay mechanism so they could get away <laughs> from the blast radius, and that knew, Liz knew to miss when she threw the chip, and that the explosion turned out to be just big enough to ironically kill the villains rather than all of Sweet Valley. Such glorious campiness and still more female empowering than the actual Bond movies. I mean, right. you're not wrong. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, yes, we, uh, we Corpse Girl on uh, Twitter said, this episode is like a fever dream. That is true. Accurate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so Scarlet3639 said, I will most likely watch this episode once a week for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have achievable goals I like that it's true oh well listeners we absolutely adore hearing from you so please please do get in touch with us uh, Pi Beta Alpha Gang um, you know where to find us you can find us on Twitter at SVH Podcast you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we're on Instagram at svhpodcast, where Karen is still doing even, I mean, it just goes from strength to strength. <laughs> she did a fake film poster for and credits for Gold or for uh, um, Platinum Blonde. I had to. It had to be done. I was like, I needed to put up a picture of each person in character because they were so good. But as I was doing it, I was like, no, no, I need to do more with this. Oh. <laughs> And you I, did, Karen. Again, things I've been doing while I should be working. It's like, no, yeah. I'm going to make a Bond poster instead for Sweet Valley High. Most important thing. <laughs> with full credits of all of them, with, which really have to be seen to be believed. <laughs> Everyone gets their moment in the, the credit spotlight. <laughs> they really, really do. So absolutely check that out. And I, um, there, there's um, some nice details like the fact that the font in the credits, it looks like it's the Sweet Valley High title font. <gasps> it is. <laughs> <laughs> I went and found it. <laughs> well played, Karen. Well played. <gasps> well, uh, Pi Beta Alpha members, next week we're checking out what happens in uh, in the main series in Regina's Legacy. But next week here, it's uh, we're 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 continuing the um, the 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 connection with the books because it's actually the book based on Regina's Legacy. I- Honestly, we couldn't have timed it better. Yeah. So our yeah. next regular episode is Regina's Legacy and then our next PBA in like two weeks. It's an episode called Photographic Evidence, but like it's based on Regina's Legacy. Yeah. So it's a double dose of Legacy from Regina. So I and I have no idea what the storyline is. Mm, so I'm excited. 
Yes. Can you uh, give us a hint about what's uh, what what the episode description is? Will we wait till next week? Ooh, ooh. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to say. I'm going to say a little bit from okay. the synopsis, okay? So I'm just going to say the words, three suspicious men, how about that? Oh, <laughs> colour me intrigued. I mean, how could you not be? <laughs> well, listeners, we will be, uh, we'll be here next week in the main feed with Regina's Legacy. And we'll see you, Pi Beta Alpha members in the clubhouse in two weeks for photographic evidence. I'm excited. I can't wait. I, I mean, Suspicious men. Oh my God. <laughs> well, we'll be swinging on the flippity flop with you oh, all. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it will not be harsh realm. Absolutely not. See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.